0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John. And this week, we are back with episode 137, where we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC 259 pay-per-view going down tomorrow night, March 6, 2021. Headline by Jan Blachowicz versus Israel Adesanya. This 15 fight card will take place from the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada, which means it will take place in the small UFC cage. Just a quick recap of last week, I did go 5-3-1 and one on official predictions on the podcast. But if you listen to the podcast, I predicted Hernandez beating Moises. I predicted Maso beating Davis. But I said the betting value was on the underdogs in both fights and advised betting on the underdogs there. So picks are on everything. Make sure you listen to who I'm saying the value side is. This is a betting podcast. It's not all about picks and predictions. It's about who the betting value is on and where the percentages lies. In terms of official track bets for the event, I did lose 1.4 units, sadly, so hope to bounce back with this card this weekend. We got an incredible card, top to bottom. We got incredible prelims, amazing main card fights, three title fights. This is really one of the best UFC cards in the past few years on paper, so let's hope it delivers. There's a lot of great betting spots, and we're going to analyze all 15 fights here shortly. The first fight takes place in the bantamweight division. We have Mario Bautista as the minus 225 favorite to Trevin Jones, the plus 190 underdog. I think this line seems a bit wide i agree with bautista being the favorite i'd say 65 percent is more accurate and where it's at now minus 225 is a little bit wide i think this fight should be mostly a striking fight and i do think bautista is the better striker but it's not by some gigantic margin where i see him just dominating the striking the entire time jones is a pretty bad defensive grappler we've seen him get taken down a lot in his pre-ufc fights but bautista isn't really one to hit offensive takedowns so i expect this fight to stay on the feet i expect a mildly close striking fight but i do expect bautista to be throwing and landing more i really like bautista striking he's got fun knees and elbows from the clinch but at distance at kicking range i think it'll be close i think jones will be competing he has some pretty sick slick southpaw striking of his own so i expect this one to be a close striking fight I think it will go the distance and I do expect Bautista to win the decision, but I'm not overly confident in him to where I'd recommend playing him at minus 200 or higher. So this is dog or pass to start, but I'm picking Bautista to win this one by decision. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Eros Medic as the minus 166 favorite to Elon Cruz as the plus 146 underdog. I definitely think this line is wide. Cruz actually opened as the favorite. I think that's probably more appropriate. I think a pick'em line is more warranted here, but where it's at now, Medic at minus 166, it's a clear dog or pass situation. I think there's a lot of value on Cruz at that price as well. Medic has fought pretty bad competition. He's never fought past six minutes. He's shown bad takedown defense. He's shown bad ability off of his back. He's kind of content to laying guard, attempt submissions off of his back. And Medich is pretty reliant on knockouts and getting quick finishes, but he hasn't really fought anybody good though. So Medic is really unproven. He seems pretty one-dimensional as a southpaw striker. I mean, he's got some decent southpaw striking, but he seems to rely on knockouts. He's unproven late in fights. His grappling is bad. I mean, there's so many red flags about Medic. There's no way I could be betting him, him here as a favorite on the other side we got Cruz who was coming off of a knockout loss to Spike Carlisle he didn't look good in that fight but I think he's actually a better fighter than what he showed there and he might be getting a bit disrespected in the lines because of that loss if you go back and watch his contender series fight you see that he actually has pretty good volume good striking he can go the full 15 minutes he still has power in that third round as he knocked out his opponent in round three he also can hit takedowns he can get off of his back he's got decent grappling I think he's the better grappler of the two so When this fight is in striking, I expect it to be very close. I think you have to favor Medic in round one, considering he has a lot of round one finishes. Cruz has looked a bit hittable in round one before. So I think you can favor Medic early, but if this fight gets out of round one and Cruz is able to survive that onslaught from Medic, I think that round two, round three really favors Cruz and his cardio and experience advantage should take over later in the fight. We might even see see him hit takedowns and capitalize on that terrible grappling of Medic. So I'm going to pick Cruz to weather the early storm here. I think he survives that round one. He doesn't get knocked out and he's the fresher, more experienced fighter in rounds two and three. He's probably going to pour it on with a lot of volume and might even find a finish in those last two rounds uh, via TKO for Cruz. So I think I'll go with a round three TKO pick for Cruz. I think Cruz's money line has a lot of value and I will end up with a bet tracked on Cruz. I'm just waiting to see when the right price is because it seems like medic is still getting action so you might as well wait till fight day till fight night to lock in your bet on Cruz. So the pick for me is Cruz round three TKO here. The next fight takes place in the women's strawweight division. We have Amanda Limosch as the minus 240 favorite to Lavina Souza as the plus 205 underdog. This line seems about right. I'd probably say it's dog or pass though, because there have been a lot better times to bet Limos. The time to bet her has likely passed, so it's probably dog or pass at this point. These women are kind of similar they're both well-rounded i'd say sosa is actually the more proven of the two she's got more experience she's fought in invicta there's a lot more footage of her out there but i think lemos is the better fighter she's much more athletic i think she hits harder on the feet and sosa's takedown defense is not good she tends to get taken down and stuck on her back play guard and i think lemos could hit takedowns and keep her on bottom if she wanted to lemos has pretty reliable wrestling has some submissions of her own as well and in the striking, Souza was really struggling with the striking of Ashley Yoder not that long ago. So I think Lemos should be landing the much cleaner strikes on the feet. And I favor Limosh everywhere. I think she's the better striker. I trust her more to hit takedowns and keep top position. So I see why people are coming in heavy on Limosh this week. I do favor her everywhere, and I think she should win a decision here pretty convincingly. So I guess it's Dogger Pass at this point, but I don't have much faith in Souza. Maybe looking at some Lemos uh, props or something like that, but I think Lemos should win this, win this one pretty comfortably. Uh, the pick is Lemos decision. The next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Sean Brady as the minus 207 favorite to Jake Matthews as the plus 177 underdog. This line seems a bit wide, but I don't have very strong opinions on this fight. I tweeted out last night that I think the goes to distance prop at minus 156 on FanDuel has a lot of value. That was at minus 185 on a lot of other books. So if you have access to FanDuel or Betfair, check out the Ghost to Distance prop on this fight. Last time I checked, it was minus 156. I think that is value. I think this fight should go the distance at like 65 to 70%. I think if a finish happens, it's very likely going to be Brady getting a finish. Um, we could see Matthew score a knockout. He does have some pop at times, but I think this fight does go to decision more often than not. Brady has looked pretty promising in his UFC career. Matthews is definitely the more tested and experienced guy, but Brady looks like the more skilled fighter. He looks a lot more aggressive, and Brady looks like he's a pretty smart fighter as well. He got outstruck in round one versus Nardiev, and he decided to switch up the game plan, hit takedowns, and out grapple Nardiev in the last two rounds. He realized that Christian Aguilero is a poor defensive grappler. He went in with a grapple heavy game plan there. And he hit takedowns and submitted Aguilar in the second round. So Sean Brady seems like an intelligent fighter. It seems like he has intelligent coaches behind him that study their opponents and realize their weaknesses and try to exploit those weaknesses. You can't really say the same about Jake Matthews, though. Matthews is kind of known for not really pushing a pace. He's kind of a decision machine. His last three or four wins have all come by decision over pretty bad fighters, if we're being honest, too. I imagine this fight being pretty close everywhere. They're both well-rounded. They both should compete with one another in the striking and grappling, but I expect Brady to be one step ahead wherever the fight goes. I just trust him a lot more. As I mentioned, I trust his IQ, his coaches, his game plan a lot more, so I think Brady's going to be the pick in this one. I'd say the line is probably dog or pass at this point. Not quite willing to lay that minus 200 chalk on Sean Brady over probably one of his tougher tests today too in Matthews, so it's dog or pass, but the pick will be Brady decision. The next fight takes place in the light heavyweight division. We have Carlos Olberg as the minus 255 favorite to Kennedy and Zechiku as the plus 215 underdog. This line seems a bit wide to me. I mean, Olberg does come from city kickboxing. He does have kickboxing experience. He looks like a promising striker, but the guy does only have 17 minutes of pro MMA experience. 15 of those minutes are a low tempo kickboxing match against a terrible opponent. And then against Oliveira on the contender series, I don't think Olberg looked that sharp. It seemed like Oliveira just charged at him recklessly with no defense, and Olberg sat down on two punches and put him out. So it seems like Olberg has good striking, but. It's kind of hard to know where he's at in terms of his overall MMA game. It seems like he doesn't show that much aggression at times. He doesn't like to get into boxing range. He's kind of content to just stay on the outside, kick his opponents, and win a low-tempo decision. So I think that could happen here. And that's why I advise passing on that minus 255. Because if it's a low-output decision and Oldberg really isn't showing much aggression, he's kind of looking to counter punch, then I wouldn't want to be holding that minus 250 ticket. So I'd say it's Zetchiku or pass at this current line. But then again it's pretty hard to be confident in Nzetshiku he is not a good fighter he's a decent distance striker but unless he's shown some major improvements in the past year and a half since he's last fought I do not expect him to have much success here I mean maybe he can put out some volume and make this fight close if it is that low tempo kickboxing fight as I mentioned but Nzetshiku is not one to hit takedowns he's not really good in the clinch he's not super durable he's very leg kickable so I expected Olberg to just stay on the outside light up and lead leg with inside leg kicks this is an opposite stance matchup we got Olberg as the orthodox fighter and Zetshiku as the southpaw fighter and Darko Stosic had a lot of success with inside leg kicks as well when he wasn't kicking in in the balls so I think that Olberg should light up that inside leg and if he shows any aggression he should be able to land some punches and probably put in out of there but I'm not expecting a very good performance from Olberg I think he just plays a cautious and picks apart and on the outside to a decision in terms of bets for this fight, I think the overs are pretty good here. The starts round props, the over 1.5 goes the distance, Those probably have the most value. I don't see much value left in the money lines here. If you like Zetchiku, I'd probably just play him by decision because I can't see him winning any other way. Tough fight to bet overall though. Don't see much I like here, but the pick is going to be Olberg by decision. The next fight takes place in the flyweight division. We have Tim Elliott at minus 110 and we have Jordan Espinosa at minus 110. This fight is a dead even pick'em and the odds are about right here. I'd say Espinosa is the better striker, he has the more power of the two, more likely to rock his opponent on the feet, but his volume is kind of inconsistent at times, he kind of looks for that power shot, and Elliott on the feet pumps out a lot of volume, he kind of walks forward and is very hittable on the feet, but he puts out a lot of volume, and he's sometimes able to win close fights by just pushing his opponents backwards, throwing a lot of volume at his opponents, even if he's the one eating the harder shots on the feet, like the exact outcome that just happened in that Benoit fight. I thought Benoit was landing the harder shots but because he was moving backwards the entire time and because Elliot was throwing 2-3 times the amount of attempted strikes, the judges gave that fight to Elliot. In terms of grappling for this fight, Elliot is definitely the better grappler of the two. Espinosa has his problems with getting taken down, doesn't look too good off of his back and has been submitted before. Meanwhile, Elliot does attempt a lot of takedowns, he has good submissions very good scrambles and transitions but he's not really known for his top control he's not the type of guy to take you down hold you down and go through a process to get a submission he's the type to take you down to let you stand up and to try to chase his submission in a transition or something like that so Elliot's a very fun fighter to watch he's got a crazy style he walks forward he eats punches on the feet but he's looking to close distance to hit that takedown and to try to submit you on the floor and I think he has a good chance at finding a submission here Espinosa does not look good off of his back and I I think we could see Elliot find a submission somewhere along this fight. Another prop for this fight is the Espinosa knockout prop at plus 750. As I mentioned, Elliot marches forward, doesn't have the best defense, and Espinosa is definitely the harder hitter of the two. He has hit knockdowns on the contender series a few times, so I think it's definitely possible we see either guy finish here, an Espinosa knockout or an Elliot submission is on the table. I'd still say this fight goes the distance more often than not, and it could be anybody's decision there, but considering I think that Elliot has the better cardio of the two, he did kinda guess out in that Roy Vol fight, but he's had pretty historically good cardio. Espinosa is not really known for his volume. As I mentioned, he kinda chases that one power shot while Elliot is constantly pumping out volume, attention takedowns, getting in your face, and he's gonna be the one pressuring here, so If this fight does end up going to the scorecards, I do trust Tim Elliott a little bit more. He has more experience going to the decision. He has higher output, and he's got pretty good historical cardio as well. He did kind of gas out in the Royval fight recently, but historically, he has had good cardio to go the full three rounds. I'm gonna slightly side with Tim Elliott here. I think he should maybe be a slight favorite, maybe minus 130 or something like that, because I think he's got more ways to win the fight. I slightly favor him if it goes to the scorecards, and I think that Elliott finding a submission is more likely than Espinosa finding a knockout. So I'm gonna slightly side with Tim Elliott here. It's not a super confident bet. Tim Elliott has been looking a little shaky lately. And it is a pick for a reason. It's going to be a really close fight. So I'm slightly siding with Tim Elliott here. But in terms of bets, I don't have any strong convictions here. I guess Elliott is the side. And as I mentioned, those props, those Elliott submission and Espinosa knockout props have value. So once again, let's go with Elliott decision as the official pick. The next fight takes place in the flyweight division. We have Kai Car France as the minus 135 favorite to Hojirio Bonturin as the plus 115 underdog. I think this line is pretty accurate where it's at now. I agree with Kaikar France being a slight favorite, but I expect this fight to be close everywhere. I think France has been pretty disappointing in his UFC career. He can beat the lower level flyaways, but when he faces a step up in competition, he tends to struggle and he's really lost to the three good flyaways that he's fought. In the striking here, both guys are pretty bad defensively, so I could see either guy out striking one another, possibly rocking each other as well, because we have seen both guys rocked and dropped before. Kaikar France got dropped in his last fight versus Roy Vol. We saw Bontorin hurt on the contender series. So realistically, either guy could touch the chin of one another and hurt their opponents. But overall, I'd say of France is the better technical striker of the two. I just don't like his output and his aggression. I think he could throw a lot more output. He can be more aggressive in his fights, but he kind of is content to just have medium output when I think he really needs to turn up that volume. The same cannot be said about Bonturin when Bonturin is striking he is aggressive he comes forward he throws power in his punches he's not the most technical he kind of has bad defense and he's open for counters when coming in but he swings hard he's aggressive and he's powerful on the feet so I think that alone could give Kaikar France troubles. In terms of grappling for this fight, I do think that Bontorin is the better grappler. I think he's a little bit better offensively and defensively. I've seen better takedown defense from Bontorin. So I think it's very unlikely that Kaikar France hits offensive takedowns here. And I think if anybody is hitting takedowns here, it is definitely more likely to be Hajirio Bontorin. I don't really love his top game, but he does have some submission ability. Most of his MMA wins have come by submission. So Bontorin definitely should be looking to get this fight to the floor if it's not going his way on the feet. No matter where this fight goes either striking or grappling i expect it to be close and competitive i think we'll have some back and forth exchanges there will be momentum swings so i see it being a close decision type of fight and considering i have some problems with kaikar france's aggression his output i think Bonturn is the more aggressive the better athlete of the two and probably the better grappler as well I'm gonna advise passing on Kaikar France. In terms of an official pick, I guess I will go with Kaikar France by decision, but it's not a confident pick at all. In terms of best for this fight, I think it is dog or pass. I don't really love the money line value on Bontrin because I do think the line is about right. I think Kaikar France deserves a slight favorite here. 55% seems right, but I would not be shocked at Bontren pulling off this upset. So it's a tough fight to bet. Guess I'm going to be picking Kaikar France decision as my official pick. I just think he has a little bit more upside here. Like I think if a fighter is winning this fight clearly, I think it'll probably be Kaikar France. While Bontorin probably scraping away a close decision is his best outcome. So I understand why the line is close. The line is pretty accurate where it's at now. And I'm going to advise Dogger pass, but it's a really close fight. I'm going to go with Kaikar France by decision and it should be a fun fight. The next fight takes place in the flyweight division. We have... Askar Askarov as the minus 133 favorite to Joe Benavides as the plus 113 underdog. I think this line is pretty wide and I actually tweeted about this a few days ago. I consider Askarov to be primarily a grappler. He's got some decent striking but grappling is definitely his best skill and if your best skill is grappling and you're fighting joseph benavidez it's very hard to pick that fighter to win because benavidez is one of the best defensive grapplers of all time he has incredible takedown defense great scrambling abilities he actually ends up on top position of a lot of the times he attempts getting taken down and these are against some of the best grapplers in the flyweight division dustin ortiz joseph benavidez you saw how he dealt with that scramble that armbar attempt from figueredo i mean Benavides is an amazing defensive grappler he's extremely hard to hold down very hard to submit and considering that I think Askarov kind of needs to hit takedowns to win here it's hard for me to cap him a favorite it's hard for me to pick him and they're striking this fight it should be competitive there are some questions around Joseph Benavidez's durability of course he did eat a lot of damage in those Figueroa fights but if you go back to 2019 when Benavides fought Formiga His striking still looked sharp in that fight, he had power, he hurt Formiga, he knocked him out with a head kick and punches in that fight, and I think that Benavidez is the better striker of the two. He has that weird style where he kind of leans with his head, and he is susceptible to getting hit with punches, but Askarov is not a big hitter, he doesn't have the most power, and even though there are questions around Benavidez's durability, I think that he should be fine in this matchup, he's not going to get hurt or knocked out by Askarov in my opinion. So, the striking could be close, but I do give Joseph Benavidez a striking advantage. I think he hits much harder of the two. He's the more layered striker. And if the fight stays in the feet for long periods of time, I do think we see Benavidez win the striking exchanges. And if Askarov attempts takedowns, I don't think he's successful. I think Benavidez will scramble. He'll end up on top. He won't be in bad positions. So, I'm trusting Benavidez here. I think he's the better striker, and I think he has the defensive grappling to stop the offensive grappling of Askarov here. So, I'm expecting a close fight, and at Unless Joe Benavides is really declined, he's kind of approaching the shot years of his career. I think he wins this fight and considering that I think that Benavidez looked amazing in 2019 and he's only really lost to the champion Figueredo who we know is an incredible fighter with immense power in his hands. I'm not ready to write off Benavidez yet and I think he wins this fight. I could even see a knockout from Benavidez but I'll go with decision as my official prediction. Joe Benavidez decision and I do have an official track bet on this fight. 1.25 units at plus 114 odds. That is still available. There are some plus 110s plus 115s around there. So make sure he shot for the best price, and I think that Benavidez, one of the best fighters ever, probably top 25, top 30 fighters ever, you're getting him at plus money against Askarov, I'm I'm down to take that price all day. So I like Benavidez here, and I'm picking him to win by decision. The next fight takes place in the bantamweight division, we have Song Yedong, who is the minus 155 favorite to Kyler Phillips as the plus 135 underdog. This line seems about right to me. Phillips has come into the UFC pretty recently. He's made some waves. He's got some attention, but I think that there's a lot of reasons he going into this line. I think that Song could possibly be a bigger favorite here, especially considering that I do favor Song in round one. Round one typically is his best round. Song kind of has some issues with slowing down later in the fight, Song has had two really close decisions in his past few fights. The Cody Staman fight, which was a draw, even though he probably should have lost that fight, and the Marlon Vera fight, which I scored for Vera. I gave Vera rounds two and three, and Song really had trouble with the pressure, the nonstop striking output of Vera in that fight. Song is most comfortable at boxing range. He has solid boxing he's got good power in his hands but when you get him on the back foot when you crowd him with volume and pressure he kind of starts to get uncomfortable and he struggled with vera in that fight vera did a great job in mixing up his offense with his punches his kicks knees elbows clinch attacks i mean he was really throwing the whole Arsenal at Song there and was really troubling Song later in that fight and I think we could see similar success from Phillips here. He has shown good striking. He has shown that varied offense I was talking about where he mixes up his strikes very well. So it's possible that we see Phillips early that whether that early storm and in rounds two and three he might be the fresher fighter, pressuring Song, putting him in on the back foot and putting up a lot of volume to outstrike Song. But I'm not quite ready to trust Phillips with that game plan yet we haven't seen him outstrike that many good opponents to where I'm comfortable putting Phillips in that category in the same category as Marlon Vera so I'm not quite ready to think that Phillips does that here in terms of grappling for this fight i'd say that phillips is the better grappler of the two we have seen him attempt a good amount of takedowns go for back takes show some decent top control so i would say that phillips is the slightly better grappler of the two but song is not a bad grappler he has decent takedown defense he did get taken down by uh, cody stamen a lot he got taken down a few times by vera even though he popped back up to his feet pretty quickly but Song can be taken down, and I think that we probably will see Phillips look to hit takedowns because I think that Song will be landing the better strikes in the feed. He could be hurting Phillips with punches, and I think we could see Phillips look to level change and get his grappling going in this fight. I think that Kyler Phillips does have some skill to make this fight close everywhere, but I'm not quite willing to go out on a limb and pick him yet. I just haven't seen him against good enough competition to think that he passes his toughest test to date yet here versus Song, while this is actually kind of a step down in competition for Song. I expect Song to be landing the cleaner shots in the feet and winning the striking exchanges here, especially early on in the fight. We might see Song slow down. We might see him struggle with the pressure, the striking, the output of Kyler Phillips. We might even see him get taken down, but I think I trust Song Yudong's takedown defense enough. I trust his cardio enough that I think he wins two out of three rounds here. Round three might be a little bit shaky. I think you probably have to favor Kyler Phillips in round three, but I think Song will win rounds one and two on his way to a decision here. So... Pre-fight side, I would say is Song, considering that I think he wins round one. Phillips is probably a better live bet. Maybe those late Phillips round three props or something as well. So the pick for me is going to be Song Yudong by decision. The next fight takes place in the Bantamweight division. We have Casey Kenny as the minus 139 favorite to Dominic Cruz as the plus 119 underdog. I'd say this line is dog or pass where it's at now. As I mentioned earlier with Benavidez, you're getting one of the best fighters ever at Plus Money. I think think Cruz is actually higher on the list of best fighters ever. He's probably in like the 15 to 20 range. So you're getting one of the best fighters of all time at Plus Money against Casey Kenny, a guy who was on LFA shows just a few years ago. That's a bit of an oversimplified version of the fight though, because Casey Kenny is a very good fighter in my opinion, very well-rounded, great striker, He's a good defensive grappler, not the best takedown defense, but he has scrambling ability, he's hard to submit, he has ability to get off of his back. I definitely think Casey Kenny's defensive grappling will come into play in this fight because I do expect Cruz to attempt some takedowns. Cruz hasn't hit many takedowns in his past few fights, but throughout most of his career, he is a pretty consistent wrestler with good wrestling technique. I don't really trust his top position time too much. I don't think he'll keep Casey Kenny down on the mat for very long, but I think those takedowns will be there. He might be able to hit some takedowns to swing close rounds, and that's definitely something you got to be aware about in this matchup. The striking between these two will be very competitive. We'll have Cruz with that patented style, that in-and-out movement, switching stances, primarily boxing, while we'll have Casey Kenny of a more stagnant stance. Uh, he is a southpaw. He has very good kicks, very hard leg kicks, body kicks, and he even has some counterpunching ability too. So I expect the striking exchanges to be really competitive here. And when predicting this fight, I think it really comes down to how shot you think Dom Cruz is. I think it's very fair to say that Dom Cruz looked like a slower and older version of himself versus Cejudo, but that was his first fight in three and a half years. It was a short-notice fight. He went right to the top of the division fighting the champion in Henry Cejudo, so you can't give him too much criticism for that fight, but I do think there was a lot of telltale sounds in that fight. I didn't like the way his movement looked. I thought he didn't look too powerful. When he was landing strikes on Cejudo, they just didn't look like they were affecting Cejudo. They didn't look like they had much power behind it considering that dom cruz's style is very athletically reliant he uses a lot of footwork a lot of in and out movement he relies on not getting hit I do not think that style will age well. I think his speed, his durability, all of that has declined, and we're just not gonna see Don Cruz looking like the same elite fighter that he once was. I think Casey Kenny will have success with his leg kicks. I think he will be landing some body kicks on Cruz as well, and I just expect Cruz to be, or I expect Casey Kenny to be landing a lot harder. As I mentioned, Cruz just didn't look like he had much power versus Hudo, and we know that Casey Kenny is not the biggest hitter, but he throws hard body kicks, Cruz is very susceptible to leg kicks. We know that Casey Kenney has solid boxing as well, so I just expect Casey to be landing the better strikes in the feet and winning the eye the fight in the eyes of the judges. And as long as Casey Kenny can avoid getting taken down and stuck on his back for too long, I do expect him to win this fight. I could see him getting taken down a few times, but I don't think he'll be held down. I'll think, I think he bounces back to his feet and gets back to outstriking Cruz at range, where I trust Casey Kenney's athleticism, his speed, his durability, his output a lot more than Dom Cruz. So if you have faith in Dom Cruz, if you think he's got a little bit left in the tank, I would recommend taking him at that plus number. As I mentioned, one of the best fighters ever at plus money. I think the Dom Cruz decision line is probably the way to play him as well. That was at plus 195, plus 180 earlier in the week. I'm not really sure what it's at now, but I can't see Cruz winning any other way besides the decision. I don't think he has the power or the grappling ability to finish Casey Kang. So I see this fight going to the decision at a pretty high rate. And I just do not trust Dom Cruz's physicality, his output, his pace to win uh, two out of three rounds here versus Casey Kenny, a very recently proven fighter. So I'm going with the recent activity of Casey Kenny, the youth, and I'm picking Casey Kenny to win this fight via decision. The next fight is the first fight on the main card and takes place in the light heavyweight division. We have Alexander Rakich as the minus 158 favorite to Tiago Santos as the plus 138 underdog. I think this line is about right where it's at and it's a pretty easy fight to break down in my opinion. When the fight is at striking range it will be very competitive, it will be a 50-50 type of fight. I think Rakage is probably the more technical striker but Tiago Santos has that power and has that ability to shut anybody's lights off at any time. You do have to consider though that Tiago Santos is coming off that knee injury, that ACL surgery. He did fight since he's had that surgery. But Santos did not look very good against Glover Teixeira. He got taken down a lot in that fight and out grappled. It's a bit of a different matchup, but still, you got to consider Tiago Santos is 37 years old. He had major ACL surgery. He might not be the same fighter as he was a few years ago. The biggest factor in this fight is just how aggressively Reykjic pursues the grappling in this fight. Because if Reykjic attempts takedowns, he tries to put Tiago Santos against the cage. To try to grind him out against the cage he likely has success santos has bad footwork he gets backed up to the cage easily he has bad takedown defense he's not a good defensive grappler so i think rakich does have a pretty easy path to victory by hitting takedowns by getting him against the cage grinding him out like he did anthony smith in his last fight but rakich is not on the same level of grappling as glover to share is so don't think that it's going to come as easily as that did i definitely don't think rakich is able to cleanly out grapple and submit Santos, like Glover Teixeira did, I don't expect it to be a very clean performance like that, but I do expect Reykjic to push Santos against the cage, to take him down and grind him out. And even if this fight stays at striking distance, I think Rakic will be pretty safe there. I think he is the better overall striker of the two. He's got the more consistent output, the more technical ability, but Santos does have that power. Rakic's chin, his defense is not the best, so you gotta always be aware of Santos landing that big bomb to put his lights out. But even if it stays at range, I still think I slightly favor Rakic, and if it gets into the grappling, I heavily favor Rakic. So I think the line is about right here. Rakic deserves 60, 65% here, and if he starts getting that grappling, going in round one he should start looking like a massive favorite so i'd probably say it's rakich or pass here i don't have much faith in Thiago santos i think he probably is compromised from that knee surgery and we will not see the same crazy knockout artist that we did just a few years ago so the pick for me is alexander Rakic. i think he probably just grinds this one out to a decision doesn't take many risks and wins this one in a very safe fashion so the pick is going to be Rakic 30 27 The next fight takes place in the lightweight division we have Islam Mahachev who is the minus 400 favorite to Drew Dober as the plus 330 underdog. I think this line is about accurate. Another easy fight to break down in my opinion, Dober needs to get a knockout on the feet. I think submitting Islam is pretty much impossible, and a decision is very, very unlikely. He would have to show his best takedown defense ever, his best get-ups ever. He'd have to outbox Makachev at range, and Makachev would have to show a chin because Dober lands bombs. He has power. He's very accurate with his punches, and I only really see Dober winning this fight by knockout. So if you like Dober, take him by knockout. Take him by round one knockout because if he doesn't knock Makachev out, on the feet here, I think he gets taken down. He gets severely out grappled. Dober's takedown defense does not look good. His defensive grappling tendencies have not looked good. He gives up his back. He gives up positions a bit recklessly at times. Dober also has a bit of a footwork problem where sometimes he hurts his opponents with punches, but he gets too close. He allows them to get inside on a takedown and he doesn't properly keep his distance and he allows himself to get taken down. That happened versus Benil Daru. It happened versus Alexander Hernandez you was able to take him down, hold him down, and submit him. While Hernandez was able to take him down, Dober got back up to his feet. But we know Islam Mahachev is one of the best grapplers in the sport. He's got great wrestling, great top control, and he's got great submission abilities as well. So the fight really comes down to will Islam win by decision or really win by submission. And it really relies on Dober's Willingness to get back up to the feet because if he gets taken down and Dober is content to not get submitted, content to not try to stand up, then he probably loses the decision here. Islam's not going to take many risks and he will just ride Dober out in top position. But if Dober tries to get back up to his feet, he likely gets up pretty recklessly. He gives up dominant positions to Makachev. He might give up the back take, he might expose his arm. And Islam can really submit you from all angles, so I actually have a bet tracked in this fight I have 0.3 units on Islam by sub at plus 440 I'm not overly confident in it because as I mentioned Islam is not the one to really hunt a finish hunt a submission He kind of just takes what the fight gives him And if dober is content to not get submitted to lay on his back and to lose a decision He will do so so the fight really relies on dober's willingness to stand back up And if dober tries to stand up he tries to win the fight after he gets taken down I do think he gets submitted here, so I'm fine with my small bet on Makachev by dis, uh, submission in terms of official picks for this fight I will go with Islam by decision just in case my bet misses at least I'll get my official prediction right and if you like Dober here just bet him by knockout bet him by knockout in round one I think his knockout round one price was like plus 1500 which is worth a small stab as well because Islam could get knocked out on the way in that is Dober's only way to win so I like the bets in this one uh, Islam submission Dober knockout round one But ultimately, we'll be picking Islam by decision. The next fight takes place in the Bantamweight division and is for the UFC Bantamweight Championship. We have champion Peter Yan as the minus 121 favorite to Aljamain Sterling as the plus 101 underdog. First off, we got to say what an amazing fight this is. Two of the best fighters in the entire UFC. I put both of these guys in the top 10 fighters in the entire UFC what an amazing matchup we're getting two-way action on both sides here the fight uh, was wide for a bit early on a month ago peter yan was like minus 150 range but people have been betting Al jermaine sterling it was even at a pick on price earlier in the week for a few days but now it looks like people are coming back in on peter yan as the champion pushing him to a slight favorite. but there is rightful two-way action on this fight it's an amazing competitive fight i realistically could see either guy winning and that's why you see this competitive two-way action line here I can honestly talk about this fight for a long time, but I'll try to keep it as quick as I can. But it deserves a lot of analysis because it is so competitive and just such an awesome fight overall. Cannot wait for this fight. But in the striking between these two, it is true that Aljamain Sterling does seem to throw more strikes than Peter Jan. I'm seeing a lot of people thinking that Aljamain Sterling is going to outstrike Peter Jan, considering he has the higher output. Considering that Aljamain did just outstrike Jimmy Rivera, Pedro Munoz, two very good fighters. I think people are very high on Aljamain striking right now. But in my opinion, Peter Jan is the better overall striker. Peter Jan is much more layered. I think he's better at a lot of different ranges. I think he's the better clinch striker. I think he's better in the pocket. I think he's got the better boxing of the two. And most of Aljamain's striking success comes on the outside, comes at kicking range when he can use his long range, his reach, his front kicks, his jab. And I just do not see the fight really taking place at that range for very long Jan's going to be crowding him, he's going to be pressuring him, he's going to be trying to get the fight in that boxing range and that clinch range where Jan does have advantages. And I just do not trust Aljamain Sterling's ring craft, his footwork, his striking to be able to keep it at his range. I think the better striker, the better pressure fighter and Peter Jan finally gets the fight into his range and starts winning the striking exchanges. I could see Aljamain having some success winning some minutes with his output. Especially in those early rounds when Jan kind of likes to take his time warming up, make reads, we could see Aljamain Sterling have early success, win a few minutes, maybe even a round or two, by just being the more active striker in the first two rounds. But as the fight goes on, Jan will start making more reads, he will start figuring Aljamain Sterling out. I think Jan is the much more adaptable fighter of the two, and what I mean by that is... If he's losing the fight i trust jan to adapt and come back and win the fight a lot more than i do aljamain sterling aljamain sterling hasn't really had that type of fight where he's lost the first round or two and come back to win the fight his past five or six wins have been pretty one-way traffic and you can't fault the guy too much for that i mean he's winning the fights decisively but we don't really know how he will come back once he's threatened once he's tested while well, we know uh, the, Peter Yan can come back in the Magomedov fight the first one we saw him get taken down get his back taken come back Al strike Magomedov we saw him deal with the output of boxing of Jimmy Rivera eventually finding those knockdowns to win that fight so we know Yan can lose a fight he can figure out some solutions and he can come back to win the fight and that's just a lot more that we can say about Aljamain Sterling. Another advantage I give to Jan here is the five-round experience. I think the cardio of Jan is much more proven. We can trust Jan's cardio in rounds four and five a lot more than we can Aljamain's. It's not like Aljamain is showing bad cardio. It's not like he's gassing out in round three. But we have seen Peter Jan go five hard rounds a few times, the Machamedo fights, and in round four and five versus Aldo, he was really pouring it on in those rounds as well. So we know Jan can go the full five rounds. He's the more proven cardio fighter, and that's a big advantage in this fight. The last aspect of this fight we have to talk about is the grappling between these two. Aljamain Sterling is definitely the better grappler of the two, much more likely to hit offensive takedowns here. He's going to look to hit takedowns to get that back take to try to submit Peter Jan somewhere along the lines. And I think that's really Aljamain's best chance to win the fight. If he can't get a takedown, a back take in rounds one or two, I see it being very hard for him to win the fight because Peter Jan will just have so much more time to figure out Aljamain to make reads in the striking and he will have more time to develop his strike advantage if the fight stays in the feet so if Aljamain wants to win he's going to need to take down a back take in the first two rounds in my opinion in order to predict how Jan will do with those defensive grappling situations you have to watch the Magomedov fights those are two five round fights from Peter Jan's time back in the Russian ACB promotion the first fight Jan was taken down in pretty much every round, he had his back taken about four times in that fight, but he defended all the rear naked chokes, he escaped position a lot of times, he showed ability to hit sweeps and submissions off of his back, and he showed the ability to stand up once he gets taken down. And once he got back up to the feet in that fight, he was beating the shit out of Magomedov at range, he was outstriking him at distance, butchering him in the clinch with knees and elbows, and he clearly won that fight even though the judges didn't agree. And in the second fight, we saw clear improvements in Jan's takedown defense. The first fight, Jan got taken down like six, seven times. He got his back taken four or five times. The second fight, I don't think he got taken down, maybe he got taken down once or twice, but he did not get his back taken at all, and we saw clear improvements in Jan's takedown defense, his defensive grappling from that one fight, and that was like three or four years ago, that was only five or six fights into Jan's career, so I have no doubt that he's continued to improve, his defensive grappling has gotten even better, and I trust Peter Jan's defensive grappling. To the point where I don't think he gets taken down very often if he gets taken down and is back taken I trust him to defend that submission and get back up to his feet. I'm not saying it's impossible for Aljamain to submit him with a rear naked choke because as I mentioned I do think that's Aljamain's best chance to win the fight is getting that takedown getting that back take in the first two rounds and if he doesn't get that I do not trust him to win the fight in rounds three four and five. So Aljamain could win by round 1 or round 2 submission in my opinion, but other than that, I see the outcome as being pretty bleak for him. And I think if the fight gets into the rounds 3, 4, and 5, we will see Jan's pressure, his striking advantage, his 5 round experience advantage start to take over. He will start to do more damage on Aljamain Sterling and likely eventually knock Aljamain Sterling out in those mid to late rounds. I'm thinking a round 3, round 4 knockout from uh, Peter Jan here. In terms of an official prediction, I think I am going to go with Peter Yan by round three knockout here. And in terms of bets for this fight, it's a very tough fight to bet. It's an elite level fight. Both these guys are very evenly matched. I don't think you can be overly confident in either side. I don't think you should have more than a one to two unit bet on either fighter here. The bettors who got in on that early plus money price for Aljamain, plus 140, 130, 120, they all got great prices. That's definitely the right side to be on. Where it's at now, it's a much tougher fight to bet. I'd still say it's probably dog or pass, even though I am picking Peter Yan here. I think it's dog or pass because I think you will have a better opportunity to live bet Peter Yan in this fight. So if you don't have live betting opportunities, then maybe you should consider a pre-fight bet on Peter Yan. But if you do have ability to live bet, I think Aljamain is the one who starts off with the initial success in my opinion Aljamain needs to have major success in rounds one or two if he wants to win the fight so I think Peter Yan is a better live bet here there's a good chance we get Peter Yan plus money in the live lines so I'd still say that Aljamain Sterling is the side to be on pre-fight even though I'm I'm picking against them. even though I'd say Peter Yan's chances are close to 55-60% I'm still going to say that Aljamain is the value sign in terms of bets. I won't be betting this fight in terms of Moneyline pre-fight. I will be looking to get in on that Peter Yan live bet. So that's the way I'm gonna be betting the fight. It's an amazing fight. The best fight the UFC could possibly put on right now, two top 10 pound for pound fighters in the world, it's an incredible matchup. I won't be completely shocked at seeing either guy win, but I am confident in Peter Jan to defend the takedowns, to avoid getting submitted, and to outstrike Aljamain Sterling to a late knockout here. So the pick is going to be, once again, Peter Jan knockout in round three. The next fight takes place in the women's featherweight division. We have champion Amanda Nunes as the minus 1,300 favorite to Megan Anderson as the plus 600 underdog. This line seems like dogger pass. There's no way I would recommend betting Amanda Nunes as a minus 1,300 favorite. But if you like Megan Anderson in this fight, just bet her by knockout. Just bet her by knockout in round one or round two props. I tweeted earlier in the week, I got Megan Anderson knockout round one at 40 to one. It's not a bet I'm tracking. It's not a bet I'm throwing much money on. Just a fun little plus money bet at 40 to one. I do think there is some value there. Nunes is kind of known for bum-rushing girls and knocking them out in round one, but she actually has pretty lazy defense. She's open for counters at times, and she is pretty hittable. So I think if these two are exchanged punches in round one, I think we could see Megan Anderson shock the world, land a big punch, and possibly knock out Amanda Nunez. But if she doesn't do so in round one, Nunes is going to take her down. She's going to take her down easily, and she's going to dominate her from top position because Megan Anderson has terrible takedown defense. She's terrible off of her back. And Nunez does hit takedowns pretty reliably. She can keep top position. The last time Nunez faced a striking threat was Jermaine Durandame. And Jermaine actually kind of hurt her with some strikes on the feet. And Nunez started shooting right away. She hit takedowns. She kept top position. But Nunez didn't really push a pace in that fight. She was kind of tired. Even though she got the takedowns and dominated most of the fight, she did not look really good cardio-wise in that fight. But that really shouldn't be a factor here i think really nunez needs one takedown and the fight is over i don't know if she'll submit or finish megan anderson on the ground right away but megan anderson is going to be so mentally beaten and exhausted from getting taken down and stuck on her back for long periods of time i don't see her having much ability to get back up to her feet i think the nunez should just hit takedowns whenever she wants and unless megan anderson knocks her out in round one nunez is just going to dominate her with wrestling and top position The question becomes, does Nunes chase a finish or does she kind of just lay and pray to a decision? Based on how her past few fights went, I kind of lean with the lay and pray, but considering how bad megan anderson's takedown defense or defensive grappling is i think if nunez gets on top she will get dominant positions and if she has the energy to chase a finish i think she should get it she could get mount get a tko with ground and pound or she could find a submission like a rear naked choke arm triangle somewhere along the line so if nunez has the cardio and wants to finish her she will if she's content to just lay and pray and not waste her energy then she will just lay on top for five rounds i kind of lean towards finding a finish though i mean megan anderson is so bad on the math that i think nunez probably does find a submission so let's go with round two submission for amanda nunez not confident at all in her finding a finish because she's been so low initiative in her past few fights but i think this should be a pretty easy matchup for her and one takedown is all the fight should take so unless megan knocks her out in the first minute nunez probably dominates with her grappling and wins the fight very clearly so the pick is going to be nunez round two submission but hey Forty to one on that knockout for round one on Megan Anderson. I'm taking a gamble. The next fight is the main event of the card and takes place in the light heavyweight division. We have middleweight champion Israel Adesanya as the minus two thirty seven favorite to light heavyweight champion Jan Blachowicz as the plus two o two underdog. Of course, middleweight champion Israel Adesanya moving up in weight to take on Blahovich in this one, and Adesanya is a considerable favorite. I agree with that line. I think Adesanya deserves to be a favorite, could even be a bit more of a favorite, and I think people are thinking that Blahovich's size, his power is going to play a bigger factor than it is. I do not see it playing a big factor in the fight. I think Adesanya is levels ahead in striking. He's much faster. He's going to be hurting Jan Blahovich with strikes, and Blahovic is a decent striker by light heavyweight standards, but he's pretty slow, he's plodding, he drags his feet behind him in combinations, and I just see Adesanya being the much more precise, much quicker striker, and if Blahovic gets aggressive and comes at Adesanya on the feet, Adesanya will evade his strikes effortlessly, he will counter strike he will hurt Blahovic. and my main question in this fight comes down to, will Adesanya outstrike Blahovic to a decision, or will he knock Jan out at some point? Blahovic is definitely the better grappler of the two, but I just do not trust his wrestling enough to get inside on Anasanya and to take him down. Anasanya's takedown defense is constantly improving, and really his footwork and his striking is his biggest takedown defense because he doesn't even let his opponents get close to him because his distance management, his striking is so good. So if Jan attempts takedowns, I think he gets countered hard coming in. He gets those takedown attempts stuffed. We might see some cage pushing, some stalling against the cage at times, like we do in the Blahovic fights, but I don't expect expected to last there for long adesanya should get back to distance and get back to doing what he does best and that's outstriking his opponents adesanya is the best striker in the ufc by a wide margin and i think he proves in doing so here i don't like using this term often but i think it's appropriate for this fight i really do think jan only has a puncher's chance to win the fight he needs to land that miracle power punch on adesanya catch adesanya off guard and to knock izzy out because i don't trust blohovich's wrestling enough to get the fight to the floor I don't think that he can out clinch and stall Adesanya against the cage to win a decision. So I see him needing a knockout to win the fight if he wants to win and considering that Adesanya is the better striker He's much quicker. He's fought in big, powerful hitters in his kickboxing career. Blahovic is going to be nothing new to him. It's just going to be another stiff old man that he has to outstrike. And I think Adesanya does it with style and probably finds a knockout at some point. And I think it'll be pretty early, honestly. I think it'll be the second or third round. Blahovic will get aggressive with that long string of blitzes that he likes to do. He gets countered hard and he gets put out. So the pick for me is going to be Adesanya, round three TKO. I think there's a small chance this fight could develop into kind of a staring match, kind of similar to how Adesanya's fight against Yoel Romero went, but I expect Blachowicz to eventually blitz with the combination and eventually get countered and knocked out, similar to how he did versus Tiago Santos not that long ago. So the pick for me is Adesanya knockout. I don't think the fight will be very competitive. I think it'll be pretty one-sided for Adesanya. And in terms of matchmaking, I actually hate this fight. Adesanya has never fought a light heavyweight before, and he's just given the double champ, uh, jump to the front of the line. Meanwhile, Glover DeSher is on a five-fight win streak, four wins in the top 10. He deserves to be the number one, challenger he deserves to be fighting for the belt but unfortunately the UFC makes another stupid business decision and gives uh, Adesanya this chance for a double dip. so whatever won't spend too much time complaining about that we got an amazing card amazing prelims great main card fights three title fights it should be an amazing card and I already have some best track for this fight I will track a few more before tomorrow night And make sure you check my official Bet MMA Tips page to see all my official bets. So thank you all for listening. Hope you all enjoy the fights. Hope you all win some bets. And I will see you before the next UFC event next week. Peace.